Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. It is 2023, and this is the first podcast of the new year. And I thought this was such a great podcast episode to release because it is really such an inspiration. I interview one of my members of the Successful Wildlife Professional Program, and he has just had such a great transformation. This is a program that I developed to help people land their dream jobs, teach them to have the steps to get there so that they can carry out their purpose in life. Really, we're called to this career. It's more than just a job for us. It's our calling, and we want to help nature, help animals, help the planet. This is what I helped Francisco Jaguer do. When I first met him, he was working in a job that was not really related to his master's, honestly, and not quite on the career path trajectory he wanted to be. As I mentioned, he had his master's, and like me, him and I have similar experiences in that he didn't get the training that he needed in graduate school to land the job that he wants. Now, he learned a lot, of course, but when it comes to actually being out there in the job world, you'll find out that there are skills that you need to get that job and you assume you're going to get it in graduate school but that is quite honestly not the case. He joined the program and now he has his dream job working in herpetology at the Houston Zoo. In this episode we'll talk all about his journey to get there And I really want you to leave this episode just feeling so good and feeling so inspired because even if you aren't where you want to be right now, things can change so fast. It might seem like they're dragging on and on, but things can change in an instant. And one of my mantras, one of my sayings that I love is my current situation is not my final destination. That's all what this episode is about today. And I really hope you enjoy hearing from Francisco and the lessons that he's learned on his way to becoming a successful wildlife professional. Enjoy. Welcome to the Fancy Scientist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Shuttler, an unconventional wildlife biologist who never fit the scientist stereotype. In this podcast, I share with you my insights as a scientist and offer you real talk on wildlife, research, conservation, and advice on this unusual career. Being a wildlife biologist is not what you think it is. Join me to learn what science is really like and how to become the best version of yourself so you can thrive, effectively conserve nature, and enjoy this beautiful life we share with so many other beings. Let's get started. Hello, Francisco. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. Hi. Well, it's great to be on here. Thank you for having me and I'm happy to talk about this. We first met because you decided to sign up for this informal request I had. I posted it to social media and I asked for people who were trying to get a job or who were interested in getting a job about their experiences. Can you tell me why you first signed up for that? Sure. At the time, I believe I was kind of getting towards the end of my master's. I was doing a master's in ecology, evolution, and behavior in Austin. 
And I was finding myself, I was, you know, looking for jobs and stuff like that, but I was finding myself a little bit frustrated with the market. I felt like I didn't really have a lot of direction. And more importantly, I didn't really have any person to really talk about it that had experience about it at my school. A lot of their like career and job mentoring was focused on academia. They didn't really know how to coach people on alternate paths. And when I saw that you were asking for attitudes about that, I thought it was important to add my perspective to the mix to, you know, contribute to the conversations, considering it's probably not happening in a lot of places that could actually do something about it. And then, you know, hopefully someone could benefit from that at some point. When you went to get your master's, did you intend to go into academia or was that never an option for you? I think at first I just figured that was the end goal. Like you go to grad school and you end up in academia at some point. I went in thinking that I was going to do a PhD. And even before I went, I had some reservations about like what not only that would entail, but also like if I, if what I really wanted to work in needed a PhD, you know, and I think about a year and a half into the program, one of my lab mates was mastering out and I talked with her and I talked with my advisor and I kind of came to the conclusion that, yeah, I wouldn't need a full PhD to do what I wanted to do. And I definitely did not want to go through the whole process of academia, even just relatively tangentially seeing my colleagues' experiences with it, I was like, this is not for me. Yeah, it can be a pretty rough experience. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny because a lot of my peers, they're still thinking about going to academia. I think there's this attitude, especially with younger generations, that they want to, you know, try to change it. Landscape change the overall attitudes in academia. And I think that's important. I think we need people to do that. But I was like, I'm not sure. I'll help in any way I can, but I don't think the best way for me to help is to be right in the middle of it. Yeah, I totally agree. It's definitely a problem. And it's definitely something people are paying attention to. I think today I got an email from Nature Science and it was a study that just came out about how students, I didn't read it, I just saw the headline, but like graduate students are questioning their degrees and even questioning staying in the field because they're feeling discouraged and just questioning its value in getting a job. When you graduated with your master's, what kinds of jobs did you want to get then? At the time, I was basically just looking for anything and everything conservation, outdoors, wildlife related. I was looking at, you know, in Texas, I was looking at Texas Parks and Wildlife. They would have these positions for like district wildlife biologists, which through networking and such, I found was more like a hunting regulation focused in a lot of counties and I was looking even at like interpreter positions, ranger positions. I did kind of delve a little bit into the like private sector for like biological consulting agencies. And for those, I always felt that I was underqualified, which, you know, in hindsight I was, but, you know, just anything that was tangentially related to biology so that I could sort of get my foot in the door. 
conservation organizations like the Nature Conservancy and Audubon and stuff like that, you know, whenever they would have like a conservation coordinator position open or something like that. I was looking into science communication jobs as well. Basically anything that could be tied to wildlife and conservation in my eyes paid well, but in the back of my mind, I definitely always had like a soft spot for working at the zoo because I volunteered there back when I was in high school. And I had actually applied to a supervisor position a couple of months before you and I first spoke. And I had been talking with one of my colleagues who was always also going for the position. He was like, even if like you don't expect to get it, it'll be good just to kind of go through the process. You know more or less what to expect. You know, I was already relatively aware of what the process for working with the zoo was and such. That was always in the back of my mind. But of course, the issue of pay was always what kind of steered me to the other jobs. And you mentioned, I'm just curious, you mentioned that you were underqualified for consulting jobs, even though you had a master's. And just my experience looking at the consulting jobs, it seems like a lot of them don't require a master's or a higher degree, right? Yeah, a lot of them... As long as you have like a certain set of skills. What did you, you think you were missing or know you were missing? Yeah. To my area, which is like Southeast Texas, Houston, Texas, wetland delineation was a huge mm-hmm. one just because that's always going to be a thing for biological consultants down here. Then there would be like, for example, I had experience with field work whenever I was doing my research, but I didn't have experience actually managing like plots of land or plants, which, you know, and that's stuff that I relatively easily could get, but it's not something that I had been focusing on throughout my undergrad and my grad school years. When it came time to apply for jobs, it didn't feel like I had actually been trained for what jobs were actually requiring. That is similar to how I felt when I graduated as well. I was like, I spent close to seven years working on just the PhD, let alone undergrad, plus all of the internships and stuff. And it was like, oh, like I still don't have a lot of experience that is is needed for these jobs. Yeah. Um, In grad school, you know, I still learned a lot. Like it was still a great learning experience, if anything else. But I guess kind of tying back to how grad school in general doesn't really, or certain programs, and at least my program, doesn't really know how to coach people outside of, you know, the academia track to professorship. I felt like all my skills were kind of geared towards that. You know, I knew how to write grants. I knew how to write paper. I knew how to design studies and all this other stuff. And that's all fine and dandy and it's good experience. But when it actually came down to, okay, I don't want to be a professor. I want to do something else with my experience. You're kind of left with like, well, you kind of only trained for one specific role. And let's just backtrack a little bit. What made you want to go to grad school or even be in this field in the first place? Yeah, originally I wanted to be a vet, like an exotic veterinarian. And I shadowed with a couple of veterinarians in my area and actually worked at a vet clinic for a bit. But I was like, you know, this is great. I respect this profession a lot. I think it's, you know, really interesting. There's a lot to learn, but I just don't see myself doing this for my entire life. And when I got to college, I think like on the second day, I went to a club meeting for the Society for Biological Conservation at A&M. And it was just this uh, mass, no PhD student talking about her grad school experience and 
she did all sorts of stuff. She was doing stuff with like uh, birds and marshes in the Carolinas. And then she did field work in Ecuador as well with herbs. And, you know, she had been going all over the place. And I was looking at this. I'm like, that sounds awesome. Like I'm getting the pretty side of everything, you know? And I was like, okay, well, if I want to work with reptiles, but I don't want to be a vet and I want to make more money than at a zoo, then maybe grad school is the way to go. That's kind of what steered me in the direction. Yeah. One of the things that I kind of warn people about is when they're trying to get an idea of what it's like to be a scientist is to be mm -hmm. careful when you're looking at social media from graduate students, because yeah. there you get a good balance of things. Like you're collecting the data, you're doing the field work. I mean, you're doing all parts really, but then once you graduate parts of those, I mean, it depends on your job, but, but a lot of parts of those, especially after PhD, you go away. Like you're not really going to be in the field anymore. It's definitely a different perspective. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. My advisor, you know, from the moment I first talked to her, she had been talking about going, you know, back out into the field and everything. And I think when I finally graduated, she had been a professor for three years at that point. She was finally able to find some time to go back out into the field. Other than that, those three years were spent, you know, just doing the grant writing and setting up her students. She was a new professor and everything. Yeah, I think, I think there's definitely a certain picture that's painted of grad school that a lot of incoming students may not necessarily know about. Yeah. Okay. You graduated and you were applying for jobs and tell me about that. What was happening? You were applying for like nature conservancy and all these different types of nature and science communication jobs. What happened? Yeah, well, I wasn't getting anything. And I did have a career advisor at my school, which you know, he himself was fantastic. And from like a very, like from a career counseling standpoint, it was a really good experience. But again, it wasn't necessarily specifically tailored to the jobs that I was looking for. I felt like I was missing a couple of the tips and tricks to the wildlife industry, specifically just of like how to approach an application maybe, or like what to expect or how to portray your experience and stuff like that. And, you know, I would apply to jobs and I would think that I was doing okay, but you know, there, it was just rejection after rejection. Sometimes even without notification, you just submit an application, then you never hear absolutely anything. And it was getting to a point where I was about to, you know, finish grad school. My lease for my apartment was going to end and because my stipend was also going to end, you know, I was going to have to move back home, which that itself wasn't an issue, but I was like, I need, I felt like I needed to find a job. So then you got a job in what was like a medical science center. Is that how you would describe it? Yeah, I got a job in the hospital specifically in one of their like research divisions, the center for clinical and translational sciences. And the way they advertised it was that this was going to be a communication specialist role. It was going to be science communication. And I saw it and I was like, okay, you know, like I submitted the application and they got back to me pretty quickly and they wanted an interview and stuff like that. And, you know, I kind of read the job description and everything. I was like, okay, this is, you know, it's not like wildlife or conservation or absolutely anything like that, but it still sounds relatively similar to the kind of science communication that I was used to. There was going to be some outreach. There was going to be some internal materials. I was going to be able to, you know, create like posters and flyers and newsletters and that kind of stuff. And within 
you know, medical research, some kind of science research. So I was like, maybe I can take this and maybe beef up my communication skills for a bit while at the same time, you know, still looking for something else more in my field or just keeping an eye out to go ahead and make that transition. I went ahead and took the job as a communication specialist. And just a question about your career counselor. That wasn't specific for wildlife, right? No, he was actually the head of the grad school career counseling office. Okay. And again, he was great. It's just like, there, no, there was no one specific for my program, you know? Yeah, even one of my colleagues who were together at the museum, we're both no longer there, but she was a career counselor for the fisheries and wildlife department of a university. And she was telling me that it was actually challenging for her at times to advise students because she had so many other like administration things to do that it was like hard to stay abreast yeah. of like what the field needs. Right, for sure. I can definitely see that. Yeah, no, I wasn't getting like specifically tailored advice or anything like that. But eventually I did land a job. And then so you joined my program, the Successful Wildlife Professional. What made you finally want to join? A couple of months into my new, like my first job, I get a text from my colleague at the zoo saying that a herb keeper position was opening up. And that he had already kind of started to float my name and that I should apply. And I was kind of sitting there like, I know the pay's not going to be as great, but like I have to at least try to get this. Eventually I get an offer, but the wage was not livable, survivable. And I went back and forth with HR for a bit. And I was like, listen, this is the absolute lowest wage I can take. Like you give me this and I'm all yours. You no, know, I'm already having to sacrifice a lot of stuff like, please help me out. And they just weren't able to do it. I had to turn the job down. And that was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do because that was my dream job. And afterwards, I was just feeling super lost, super broken. And I knew that you were having this program. And I was like, let's have a conversation. Let's see, you know, what it's like and see if this is something that could actually help. And what'd you think? What was your experience in the program? You better say it helped you. I'm just yeah. <laughs> No, it's horrible. It was program I was impressed by how like thorough it was and then just like if we're talking about what was most helpful to me in the program the specific mentoring calls were really helpful and then a lot of the extras that you may not necessarily think about like tips and stuff for like financial planning and then for money stuff that was really helpful because I think you know, going in like, okay, I knew how to apply to the zoo and all that stuff. And I knew how to talk to people and such, but like, what was my mindset going into it? I mean, mindset is part of what brought me to the program in the first place, you know, kind of like a defeated mindset and how to kind of work with that, how to change that, how to actually work it into your process of looking and applying for jobs. And again, like I said, the one-on-one -on -one mentorship, because there you get, you know, little, it, it essentially becomes a conversation and you get little and tricks that one wouldn't necessarily think of if they're just kind of like sitting down to write a guide or something. Yeah, mindset is huge. And I wish I would have known about mindset when I 
went to grad school because it's, it, I think a lot of people, when they hear the word mindset, they think like, it's just positive thinking. And, and it's not really about that. It's really about like accepting what is in your circumstance and like doing what you can to move you forward. And also like looking for the evidence around you to build you up and like blocking out those voices that are building you down. Because I don't think grad school intentionally does that, but, but it does. It does. Right. Wears you down. <laughs> it wears you down. And it definitely, I mean, you know, mindset isn't a thing that they're really considering in grad school in terms yeah. of like teaching their students. They'll say stuff like, oh, make sure you're taking care of yourself. And it's like, well, can you help me out? Well, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. You figure it out on your own. But well, and the other thing about mindset too is that you have to like train yourself. Because I think mm-hmm. that a lot of mo- most most of us, we don't really get trained on how to actually work with our mindset when we're growing up. We're kind of just taught to like, I don't not necessarily conform to a certain mindset, but just with stuff as it comes along, but without any actual training on how to deal with it, you know, exercises or whatever a mindset course entails, it helps just to kind of reinforce that. And over time, you know, it's a process, it's a learning process. It's not like you take a course and then suddenly you're enlightened and you're good to go. It takes time. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you use the word exercise because I like to use it in relation to the gym a lot. It's like, you can't just go to the gym once and be like, oh, I'm done, you know, or like, or even like building, like you said, it's like a practice, even with building your muscles, like you don't start lifting like a 300 pound barbell. You have to start small and practice every day. And, and you know, you're right. It is like we we are conforming and we don't even realize we're conforming. I talk to you guys. And sometimes when I really push and like ask, you know, where did you first hear this? Or like, where'd you first get this feeling from? Like you weren't good enough. A lot of times it stems from like way back in the day, like our school days or something. And you just end up carrying it over. Something else I wanted to mention with you, the mentoring sessions is I think one of the things, please correct me if I'm wrong, that you may have learned is like figuring out what jobs you were qualified for or not, because that's what I learned from being on the job market. Like you, I applied for like all these different jobs. And I remember like applying for nature conservancy jobs, especially I really wanted to work there. And I was like, why won't they hire? Why won't I even get an interview with them? Like, you know, I'm great. This is like like perfect for this job. Because I just thought PhD translated to all this experience, but it didn't. Like once I learned like, oh, like this is what this means. And this is what that means. And same thing for the science communication jobs. Like a lot of times they want people who have their degrees in communication or journalism. And then, I mean, honestly, a lot of them, they don't care that much if you're that good at science. It's more like if you have an interest in science rather than like you're a scientist who's really good at social media. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I found that out kind of going into my, the first job at the hospital, because I mean, I had no idea about any of that stuff. I just knew how to communicate science in general. And they saw that I was able to do the job well, but you know, I was, I knew reptiles. I didn't know, you know, medical research and stuff like that and convalescent plasma and all this other stuff. So it was basically having to learn as I went as well. But yeah, no, that's definitely true. Absolutely. It's funny, like the public, they think like even within 
my realm of like nature and stuff. They think because I'm mm -hmm. a scientist or I got my PhD, like they can show me an insect and I know what it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. Today we were feeding the tortoises and they gave us, like nutrition will give us browse, like, you know, plants to give them. And we held up this one plant and, you know, three, three people that are relatively well aware of, you know, tortoise diets and stuff like that. And we're like, we have no idea what this plant is. Take out the sea cap or whatever it is and figure it out <laughs> there. Ended up being like a Chinese hawthorn or something like that. But oh, wow. Yeah, that stuff like that happens all the time. You know, you're always learning. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned that today you were feeding tortoises. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you're not at the oh, right. medical place anymore. Tell us about what happened. Yeah. About two months ago now, I had a point where I was just like, don't like this job. I'm still like trying to apply to other jobs, but at the same time, you know, I'm not able to devote as much time as I want to get back in the industry because I have a full-time job to worry about on top of everything else that I'm doing. And I kind of saw it as, well, one, I want to go ahead and take the leap and do what I want to do. And two, if I'm ever going to, you know, actually move up in the industry, maybe to like a better paying job at some point or to, you know, make a role that I want for myself or something like that, I have to start somewhere. You know, I can't keep trying to do it on the side from, you know, a completely different related field. And so I texted my friend. I was like, hey, you want to let me know whenever there are any other jobs available? And he was like, there's a posting right now. I applied. And I now work at the reptile house at Zoom. Yeah. And we were just chatting briefly before we started and you said that you love it and it is just oh, that's your amazing. job. Yeah, no, I mean, when I was a kid, my very first like career day in first grade or something, my best friend and I, we were the only ones that had herpetologists. Uh, and yeah, we had like a, they had like, paper you know backgrounds on the walls or whatever and we like drew like snakes and lizards and stuff for hours and we had a there was a teacher in the school that had a ball python in her classroom we had the ball python while we were like you know parents would walk by and be like we're herpetologists we study reptiles and amphibians so yeah i think the goal was always to you know work directly with them not just tangentially and stuff like that reptile house at a zoo was definitely the way to go were you guys independent of one another? Like you both came up with that on your own or did you like do that together? Yeah, no, well, we became best friends because we were both super into herbs. Yeah, oh, okay. that just kind of ended up working out. And both our parents were teachers at the school. Yeah, no, we, my first reptile buddy, I guess. Yeah. How would you say that the program has changed you since before you started and now? Yeah, I think it made me kind of stop the way I would put it is it made me stop bargaining with myself kind of relates back to that mindset thing. But like at some point you can't keep being like, oh, I'll eventually get to doing the job that I want. I got to just do this first. And sometimes that's valid. You know, it's not always a linear path. And sometimes you do have to take, you know, a couple of small steps, but eventually there's going to be a point where you have to take a leap and I program really helped me to come to terms with that uh, and to really allow myself, put myself in a place where I knew enough and I had worked on enough stuff that I was like, okay, it's time to take a leap and I'm going to go ahead and take it. 
And I felt prepared to do it, not just from a, from a mindset perspective, but also from a more practical perspective. I mean, my application was good and edited and all that stuff. I knew a lot more of what to expect from the industry, even if it's not the specific zoo, but just zoos in general, life in general. I knew a lot more of what to expect. You know, I didn't go in with like this, I guess, like rose colored view of everything. I knew that it wasn't going to be perfect, but I felt prepared to deal with anything. I love that. And yeah, that's something that I really try to give because I don't think grad school gives you that expectation. Like maybe now it's a little bit different that it's coming out of the woodworks that this field is competitive and hard. But when I graduated in 2012, I knew academia was hard or and hard both, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I was actually somebody who never wanted to do academia. When I graduated, I was like, okay, I can just get a job. Like I didn't know it was going to be hard. And then when you find out it's hard, you start to like blame yourself and wonder like what's yeah. wrong with you. And then you also kind of realize like there's nothing wrong with you and you get bitter towards a system and then you can play mm-hmm. into that victim mentality. And yeah, it is super frustrating and there's a lot of problems with our field, but right now there's not going to be any major changes because it's mostly a money problem. And if you really want a career in this field, I truly believe you can make it happen or it can happen for you, but I do think that you have to make it happen and And recently, I don't think you were on, but recently we had a call where we talked about this podcast interview with Sarah Blakely. She's the founder of Spanx. And I had, I don't know if you listened to it or not, but I had the members listen to it because she did a lot of unconventional things as an entrepreneur. In some cases, she didn't know what the rules were. She broke them like accidentally, like she would just like call up Neiman Marcus and other suppliers and stuff like that. But yeah, that's what I tell my members is like, you got to like network a lot on social media, like LinkedIn and things like that, and do more of these unconventional things and and make sure you get these things that are actually going to land you jobs. And a degree is just not enough anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely not. And quick, funny aside about the whole breaking rules without knowing thing. When I first reached out to my advisor, I applied in fall of 2018, but I first reached out to her like back in January or February of that same year, just because I was looking into programs and I saw her lab. I saw she was going to be, you know, in Austin. I was like, oh, let me reach out to her. And we had like a phone chat and we corresponded every now and then throughout the year. And then when it came time to apply to stuff, my undergrad advisor at the time, like my lab manager, he was like, okay, guys, you don't contact the professors until you have like your letter of intro, like fully catered and everything. And it's like very minimal contact and everything. I was like, I've been talking to my like potential advisor almost a year and he was yeah. like, oh my God. But uh, going back to the the thing about how like academia, you know, how you can get bitter towards it and stuff like that. I feel like something that I saw and something that I do see changing, especially with younger professors, like my grad school advisor, she was really good about this kind of stuff, but they see like a lower number of professors being hired and stuff like that and they see it as a training issue and not an attitude issue then they'll be like okay well let's make them have to go through more postdocs you know nowadays you can't get it's really difficult to get a professor job without what like 
at least two or three postdocs, something like that, at least in our field. And, you know, we have to give them more rigorous coursework during grad school when really what's happening is that people are getting jaded and people are getting burned. And I do think that's kind of being seen a bit more. I think it's good for people to acknowledge that because that way incoming people to grad school or to academia or anything can be maybe more cognizant of that, that when they start to get up and everything, it's not because they're not good enough. Like you said, it's not because they're not doing enough training or they're not doing it well. It's just because that's the system right now is structured in a way that's bound to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely talk to people who are like, I don't get it. I did everything right. And I still can't get to where I want to go. Yeah. I mean, it's not about that you did anything wrong. It's just that it's competitive and you got to think out of the box a little bit and then just really make sure you have those non-academic skills or knowledge that they don't necessarily teach you. Yeah. And like you said, you know, there comes a point where you make it happen for yourself, you know, like even even without the difficulties and stuff, you have to find a way to, to get what you want even if that looks a little different than what you originally intended, but it's good to have that insight and that, that knowledge going through it because it helps you out. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing your stories. Do you have any last parting words or anything? Not to put any pressure on you. I always feel like there's a lot of pressure on me. Oh my God, I'm going to make or break people's no. Well, first of all, thank you so much for chatting with me about all this no. about at any time. And like I said, your help this past year has been great. It's been wonderful to anybody listening to this, you know, like it's possible to get what you want. Be kind to yourself. Be smart about it. You know, take the steps that you need to make stuff happen, knowing that there's going to be a few steps back, but just keep on the track and eventually you'll end up somewhere where you want to be. Yeah, I love that. Well, thanks so much. And I hope you have a great rest of your night. Thanks, you too. Thank you so much once again, Francisco, for doing that. I am so happy I could help you. And I love helping the members in my program. That's why I created it. I started off blogging about this because nobody was talking about it. Nobody was talking about how hard to get a job, especially after getting a graduate degree. People didn't want to feel like there was something wrong with them. I started blogging about it and also about how the things that I learned in graduate school didn't necessarily translate to jobs. And I found out that there was so much stuff that I was missing for the jobs that I wanted. If you are interested in learning more about the successful wildlife professional or want to sign up to be the first to hear about it, head over to stephanieshutler.com, WP waitlist. And, or if you just Google fancy scientist and then search for SWP waitlist, then it should pop up as well. And of course I will put this in the show notes. It's kind of weird that I have to say stephanieshutler.com because I recently changed my name back, but oh well, that's what happens in life. I hope you guys are all having a great day and Francisco just had so much great advice for us and I really do hope that the younger generation out there will change how this field is run and how academia is run. Be kind to each other. I love that Francisco said be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself, be kind to each other, and be kind to animals. Bye. 
Are you an aspiring or struggling wildlife biologist, ecologist, conservation biologist, or anyone interested in a career with wildlife? Join our community, the Getting a Job in Wildlife Biology Facebook group. Based on my book, Getting a Job in Wildlife Biology, What It's Like and What You Need to Know, this Facebook group is designed to connect, support, and inspire future and current wildlife professionals or those who can't get a job. Come for daily affirmations to lead you to career success, job postings, and profiles of professionals in cool jobs. If you're struggling, feel stuck, lost, confused, or are just worried about this career, reach out to me at stephanie at fancyscientist.com to schedule a free clarity call. I've talked to over 100 aspiring wildlife professionals and those struggling to get a job, and they've told me what I also experienced. Degrees alone do not prepare you for wildlife careers. You need the right combination of experience, education, network, and skills to land the job you want. You also need to be able to convey that on a job application and sell yourself to the employer. I've looked at over 100 cover letters and interviewed graduates. I can tell you for sure they are selling themselves short, not listing all of their expertise and not marketing themselves effectively. I've talked to potential students who have dynamic personalities and sound so knowledgeable and experienced in person, but when I look at their resumes or CVs, none of that is reflected. If what you have been doing is not working, it's not all of a sudden going to start working. It's time to make a change. If you want to get your dream job in the fastest way possible, schedule a Zoom meeting with me today. No matter what stage of your career you are at, from high school student to graduate searching for jobs, I can help you. It is never too early or late to start. If this episode helped you or someone you know, make sure to tag me on Instagram at fancy underscore scientist and share this podcast with your community to continue spreading the word and reach more people. Also, be sure to leave a review on iTunes to receive extra positive vibes and love from me. Plus, you'll be helping me reach even more people with this important message. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you.